think very highly and respect greatly and trust educators. And they trust uh, charities. But interestingly, for those that are in the police force and those that are sort of your personal accountants, they barely get a pass. They got a 54%. So Aussies, uh, we, some of us trust them and some of us don't. But what was I found even more interesting is that lawyers, people who work in the media, banks, and politicians, they actually got a negative score, according to this Governance Institute of Australia. But who do you trust? I mean, if you stop and consider, hey, we have been given a gift of another year. 2020, as we look out over it, who are we looking to to trust? Who are we looking to? Where are we looking to for the things that we hope for? Are you here this morning and you are hoping in 2020 that you will have a rested body, mind, and soul? Who or where are you going to look to? What about a promotion or a recognition for all you do? What about that guy or that gal to finally ask you out? Who are you going to look to? Where are you going to look to? That neighbor to stop X, Y, Zing, where are you going to look to? Who are you going to go to? That colleague that you work with that's constantly pointing out your mistakes. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if they got moved to another department, you hope? A difficult family situation to go away. The kid's behavior to change. Your health. I want to ask you this morning, who do you trust? The title of my message this morning is, My Only Hope is in God Alone. If you were to fill out a blank piece of paper that had the question, it's not a blank piece of paper, it's got a question on it. If you were to answer a question on a piece of paper that had a blank that said, my only hope is, fill in the space, what would you say? I want to look at Psalm 62 with you this morning because I believe God wants us to show, I believe God wants to show us something in Psalm 62. And I believe he wants to show us that our trust and our hope can be put in right or wrong objects. Our hope can be put in the wrong things. And as we set out on a new year, I want to caution you, those that walk with Jesus, you will have strong temptations to despair. You will have strong temptations to seek security in things other than God. If you don't know God, this would be your story. You would be hoping that if I have more money, if I have this guy, if I have this gal, if I get this, if I do this, then my hope will be secure. I've got three points for you this morning as we look at Psalm 62. Where is my only hope found? Why God only? And what does God only look like? So here, point one. Where is my only hope found? The reason we're looking at Psalm 62 is because this psalmist, the author of this psalm, knew where to find his only hope. If you're familiar with David, David, and if you're not, I want to tell you about him. He was a shepherd boy. His father, Jesse, put him out into the shepherd field. He was the one, he was the youngest of eight. And while Jesse was out in the shepherd field, he would actually practice a sling with a slingshot. He also played the harp. 
And so while he's out in the shepherd field, he's uh, increasing in skills on the shepherd field with the harp and with the slingshot. And then he's finally set apart by God and Samuel, a prophet, comes and anoint him that he is going to be the future king. Not only is he going to be a future king, he's actually summoned by King Saul to come and play in his courts. King Saul is a king at this time who had an evil spirit, a raging spirit. And when that spirit would come about, King David would play the harp, or it wasn't King David at the time, but David would play the harp and his soul would be soothed. But Saul became jealous of David, and David went running. Actually, King Saul threw a spear at David, and David goes and hides, and he's on the run. Um, And then, finally, Saul dies. David takes the place of kingship. In this time, David gets married to a few different women and has a few different sets of children. But one of his sons, Absalom is actually chasing after him again. And we believe in Psalm 63, this is possibly where this psalm is coming from. David is on the run. His enemies are running uh, are after him and pursuing to actually take his life. He has people within his um, entourage, and within his uh, men, who are actually saying to his face one thing and yet seeking to take his life. So it's important for us to see this is why David, David is saying, my hope is in God alone. Amongst all these situations, God alone is who I can put my hope in. But this psalm here is quite interesting because it's stylistically called a lament. Now, throughout the psalm, there are different types of psalms and they are different types of style. But in this psalm, David is actually lamenting. He's lamenting because his enemies are surrounding him. These enemies are treating him as if he is a leaning, tottering fence. They're going to do anything they can to thrust him down. But strangely, David's focus is on trusting in God alone. And so what I'd like for you to do is have a look again at this psalm. And I want to kind of talk you through how... Um, This psalm flows together, and I think God is going to speak to us through that. So here we go, verse 1 and 2. It says here, this is David. David is on the run. He's hiding from his enemies, and perhaps he is afraid and scared. But here's what he says. He says, he talks to God, and he says, For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Notice the words that David is using here to describe God. He is his salvation. He is a rock. He is a fortress. How does he know that? Because he has experienced God to be a savior. He has experienced God to be somebody who can protect him, a fortress. And then David moves into, all of a sudden in verse 3, to be introducing these enemies. He's just describing attackers. Look at him. Look at verse 3. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah, which means break. Break and consider what has just been said. God alone, my soul waits. There's enemies that attack me. God alone is my refuge and my rock, but they're surrounding me. They're telling me falsehood, but he is my salvation. Stop, 
reflect, the children of Israel would have sung this. They would have sung this corporately together but, and learning from these incredible truths. But then we look down at verse 5. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory and my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Once again, David is talking to God, but he's addressing his soul. And again, we see similarities in verses 1 and 2 and 5 and 6. He's repeating things. And then it's almost as if he turns and sings addresses other people he's addressing the congregation look at verses 8 to 10 he then begins to declare trust in him at all times O people pour out your heart before him god is a refuge for us and then there's that break again stop and consider that and then he goes on to verse 9 and 10 those of low estate are but a breath Those of high estate are a delusion and the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. David lives in a palace. He's got everything that he could want. And he's saying, don't put your heart on those things. And David then says, once God has spoken... Twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast fast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. David clearly sees and knows where his only hope is found. It's found in God alone. Five times in Psalm 62, the word only is used. You'll see it in verses 1 and 2, in verse 4, 5 and 6. If you've got the NIV, it's in verse 9. But the Hebrew translation for this word alone is quite untranslatable in English. Perhaps the best way for this alone to be used is the word only to be used is alone. I'm sorry. So for the original hearers, it probably is how it was understood. Not just only, but alone. So let me try to help you understand what I'm meaning. So I stand alone. It's a position, right? I stand alone on the pastoral team that Crocs are cool and comfortable to wear. I'm the only one on the pastoral team that would, so I would stand alone on that position. Dave Taylor, he would be the only guy on the pastoral team that thinks it's okay to drink pink lemonade with with an umbrella in it. That's Brendan. Brendan would be the only one that stands alone with all that gray hair that thinks he's still young. So this is a position that they hold, right? With God alone. David stands alone saying that it is God only. He alone is who I'm holding on to. And King David is hammering a concept here that we ought not miss. He's showing us that we can enjoy God's peace in the midst of some of the most threatening moments. God alone, God only, he is our salvation and our refuge. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation whereby you have nothing else but God alone. If he doesn't show up, you're done. I mean, David with Goliath, David with King Saul, David with Absalom. If God didn't show up, what would have happened? Last week in our Thanksgiving service, there was a man who stood up here and shared wonderfully and cautioned us correctly that we will, we will suffer. 
We will endure hardship. We will be tested. And you may have people who don't like you. You may lose your job. Your health may decline. Where will you put your trust? But before we move on from this point, I want you to know that there is a difficult tension for us today in these words from Psalm 62. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, verse 6. Only God alone. Only God alone. The tension is this. The psalmist, is he out of his mind? You've got to be kidding me. Upon God only? That's where our hope can be found? Really? In the times of conflict, I'm only supposed to trust God. I mean, my relationships, my marriage, only God alone. My mental health, my emotional state, I'm only supposed to trust in God alone. Do you realize who bothers me? Do you realize how wicked and mean these people are? In times of being under attack. Wait, trust God only? Enemies, colleagues, family members who talk badly about you, misrepresent you? Your colleagues who are unkind, make fun of you because you're a believer, you hold a certain position? Trust God only. In times when resources are short and you can't afford to pay for things, trust God only? In times of bushfires, where things seem out of control, trust God only? Is that really what the psalmist is saying? Surely we need to play our part, right? I mean, we need to be responsible. We need to be wise. We need to do something. So really, God alone? That's my second point. So our first point is, where is our only hope? God alone. Why God only? Why? What do you mean? What do we mean by only God alone? Do we mean God plus dot dot dot? Do we mean God full stop? I think it's helpful to know that we live in a society and a time where people are telling us God helps those who help themselves. How many of you have ever heard that? God helps those who help themselves. That's the Oprah Winfrey theology. God will help you, but you've got to help yourself. Have you ever found that in Scripture? When we are looking through the Psalms, we're going to spend the month in Psalm. And you know, while these songs are being written, they're actually combined, all 150 of them. They're like Lego blocks that connect to one another. They have incredible themes throughout them. Themes that reveal who God is. Um, And so these various themes that are in these psalms help us understand why God only. Themes like there is only one God. The God who made heaven and earth. Who breathed life into your lungs and entrusted you to planet earth for such a time as this. You're not a mistake. You were supposed to be here right now, 2020, right where you're located. Because that's where God wants you. You're no accident. In Psalms, you'll read, there's only one creator God. He made heaven and earth and he rules all things. 
Another theme that we find in the Psalms is that there is one true God who made all things, made man with dignity and purpose. And since the fall, all people are beset with sins and with weaknesses, and only God's grace can heal them. And we'll see that in Psalm 62, or we do see that in Psalm 62. There's another theme that God chose a people for himself and bound them to himself in covenant. We are part of the children of God from Genesis all the way through to Revelations, now into 2020. People God has set apart entered into a covenant with them, sealed it with his blood, and you and I are a part of this covenantal relationship. And because we are members of this covenantal relationship, he prepares us in Psalms. We see in Psalms, we will suffer. We will suffer in this life. And get this, don't be surprised. I want to prepare you. In 2020, you may be hurt by somebody who is part of the faithful covenant. You may, there are unfaithful members of the covenant, and you may be hurt by them. Be prepared. But you can also be hurt by people who are outside of the covenant. Those themes are here within Psalms. There is a right response when things like that happen. It's not revenge, but instead prayer. A believing prayer, confident that God will make all things right in his time. There's another final theme, really, that we'll see throughout Psalm, and that is that God's people are headed home. One day we are going to be in his presence, like Simon said, there were tears no more. We will be in his presence where there will be no more pain, no more broken relationships, no more broken limbs, no more broken relationships. I think I said that, but there will be no more brokenness, no more pain. Won't that be amazing? We read that throughout Psalm. These themes help us as modern day readers to understand what we're supposed to get about God. They help us see why these ancient words are so important. And it helps us to understand why God only, God's covenant people, are a part of his covenant membership. And because we are part of God's covenant people, he is providing revelation to us. So we stand on Abraham's shoulders. We stand on Moses' shoulders. We stand on King David's shoulders. This people, God's people, have been led by God. Go to Abraham who received his inheritance and his wife Sarah, old lady. I just read about it this morning. She laughed when she heard that in her her 90s she was going to have a son. She had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob had a son named Joseph who led the people into Egypt. And then Moses was raised up. And Moses led the people out of Egypt into the promised land. Through all this, God has created a people, has selected a people, and he is leading this people. And he's eventually leading them home. He's preserving this people. And here we find ourselves with King David suffering, enduring trials, being tested. And who is David's hope? God alone. But here's the catch. Here's what we learn. 
We will be tempted to turn to other things other than God. We saw in verses 9 and 10. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your hearts upon them. People and resources are possible false objects that we will be tempted to turn to. We will be tempted to hope in. We will be tempted to trust. In Psalm 20, there's these beautiful words that says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. How easy it can be to put our trust in brutes who can knock off our enemies. I'm from California, um, Central California, um, and um, you could hire people to take care of your dirty business, right? So you can put your hope in that will that will solve the issue. You can put your people, um, your hope in people of if influence. You can try to position yourself so that you can be positioned better. The temptation is real. You know, bringing in the new year, I don't know if any of this happens to you, but how many of you put your hope in new exercise equipment? If I just get a treadmill, that will help me. If I get, a new, I get the new equipment, that will help everything be better. Um, even with our Bible reading plans, oh, we just need the right Bible app. We just need the right devotional. That, we put our hope in things. Dear brother or sister, why only God? Because often objects... People will fail us because he never fails us. That's why God only. As our creator, God has created humanity with dignity and purpose. He has created us. He's created you to be dependent, not independent. He wants us to act and do. He wants to commission us. He wants to assign us. But instead... When things happen, what do we do? I got this. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try harder. We look in and we try to do it ourselves. Where are you tempted to turn instead of God alone? And what would God only mean to you when you're undergoing trials, testings, and temptations? I mean, it's In truth, let's be honest, it's not natural to trust God in a hardship. You think, well, I did this, therefore there's this consequence, so I mean, I'm just reaping the consequences. Or, uh, you know, you didn't know something, but surely I I, I can do this, I can do this. I mean, what would Google say? That's where we'll turn. We'll find out what Google will do. Um, we'll look at oh, if there's a post on this, a, a Facebook post, if there's a blog. We'll turn to that and look to that. And yet these divinely inspired words show David models why, what God only looks like, which we'll look at in a minute. But these psalms don't simply just express emotions when they're sung in faith. No, they actually shape the emotions of the godly because our hearts and our souls are in turmoil when we begin to face trials and temptations and our enemies are surrounding us. And so what do we need to do? We need to silence our souls like David did. And we need to rehearse who he is. I mean, God is our creator. And when someone creates something, they know how things are made to work and to function. 
How often we forget, as this psalm reminds us, that power belongs to God, the creator of heavens and earth, who rules all things. I mean, Revelations 4.11 reminds us, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they are created. Are you thinking, I don't know what his will is? Well, get to know him. Find out about him. He's created you with dignity and purpose. He's made a way for you to be at peace with him. And he has made a way of salvation for each and every one of us. Not only is he our creator who's left us here with his word, but he is our savior. David knew of God's salvation. If you remember in Psalm 51, David is pleading with God to have mercy on him. The story of David is that David saw another woman liked what he saw, went and um, had an affair with her, killed her husband. Bathsheba had a, had a child out of this. And David's king. David's a shepherd boy. He's the guy, man after God's own heart, as he's described as. And yet he knew within his soul that he had offended and sinned against God and his ways. And here he is crying out to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. God made a way of salvation. Four times David refers to salvation in the midst of his turmoil. What about for you in the midst of enemies creeping in? Is God alone your only hope? When you know him, when you know what he has done for you, when you know his glory, begin rehearsing who God is because it will shape your emotions and it will bring confidence to you in trial. You know, they say that talking to yourself is a sign of being senile. Yet the Bible encourages us to do exactly that. In Psalm 42 and 43, if you get a chance, um, listen to the psalmist there addressing his soul, talking to his soul. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Um, But it's interesting in his book, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cures, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? He goes on to explain that rather than just going along with the thoughts that come to you in the morning, which bring back all of the troubles from yesterday, you've got to take yourself in hand and preach to yourself and question yourself. Ask yourself, why are you cast down? And then you exhort yourself to hope in God. Listen to this. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God. Who God is and what God is and what God has done and what God has pledged himself to do. And then having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself and defy other people and defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance, who is also the health of my countenance and my God. You see, here in Psalm 62, David piles on description after description as he remembers who God is. In fact, if you count all of the the mys in this passage, it's truly obvious. David is fighting here, though living under this impending attack. He's fighting for his soul to be silent and rest in God's saving rescue mission. Why my only hope, you ask? 
Because to God alone, all power belongs, all steadfast love belongs, and he will call all things into account. Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. It's not like, he, God is not like man. And he doesn't take pleasure in falsehoods as this psalm, psalmist, the enemies that are surrounding him are doing to David. God is not like that. Why only God? Because in trial and testing, God alone is a sure and true hope and he can be trusted. Can I be really candid with you this morning? God alone, God only, why? Because I think it's something that we as Christians in 2020 need to especially learn. David is not trusting in something other than God. Nor is he trusting God and something else. Or God and someone else. His trust is in God alone and he is very confident. He is confident that God will provide. He's, he's confident that God will either um, give him an idea of what to do or he will provide protection for him. He will provide for whatever David needs. And for you as a follower of Jesus, we have to trust, right? It's not that we don't trust God. We do. We have to trust God as Christians. To be a Christian, you have to trust God in the matter of salvation minimally, right? However, I think we struggle to trust God only. Meaning, we always want to add something else to the trust as well. Being a pastor... And having the joy and privilege of walking with God's dear people, I find that Christians today are far more indeed inclined to trust in the world's tools and mechanisms rather than trusting in Jesus Christ alone. I've sometimes wondered, do we really truly think that Jesus is sufficient for all things? No one is ever going to say, no, he's not. But take stock this morning. What happens to you when enemies surround you? What happens to you when trials and testings are put before you? I know this is confronting. I know I can hear your thoughts coming back at me. Trust God alone? When enemies surround us, money's low, our reputation is at stake. Where do you turn? I often see that people get angry at God and they complain. I don't deserve this, God. How, why are you doing that to me? Sometimes, sprinkled throughout, I see people submitting to God. Agreeing with his promises. God is with me in this. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. That's what he's promised. God is with me. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's got this. I know that God is with me. He's promised that my grace is sufficient for you. I'm okay because I'm his sheep. He's my shepherd. 
He knows me. He sings over me at night. I can't gain an hour by worrying about this. He tells me that there is nowhere that I could go from his presence that he can't see me. He's promised that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you know, as I've been wrestling with this, if I'm honest with myself, do you know where I turn? I turn to entertainment. If I'm suffering, if I'm tired, if I feel like enemies are surrounding me, I run to reality TV. Give me the block. (laughs) My Kitchen Rules, Survivor. Um, Bear Grylls has this really great series now. Um, (laughs) I tend to try to escape into somebody else's world. I want to focus on somebody else's life. Because I just... I'm uncomfortable. I was asking one of my kids for my sermon. Um, I said to them, when enemies surround you and you just, you're, you're feeling afraid and alone, where do you go? And they said to me, I go to food. <laughs> I have been there and I can still do that. And I said, so what would stop you from first running to God. And they said, because I don't want his help. I want to be sufficient. I want to be okay. I want to prove that I can do this. I told this person, this child, I get it. I think we're all like that. We sing on a Sunday. We talk about We love God. What do our actions show? Do we truly trust in him alone? I mean, we can run to food, entertainment, sexual gratification, something that you can control, cleaning the house, putting everything in order. Some like to go to fantasy land, stocks, sports. Are these things the right things to turn to? We're going to be tempted to run to them. They're not the right thing. What he's saying here is, I trust what we are saying when we run to those other things is, I trust God with my words, but I betray God with my actions. We are pretending to trust God, but we're not trusting him only. Instead, acting on the temptation to despair and seek security in other objects. There's a man in the Bible, you're probably very familiar with him. His name is Job. And you know, God inexplicably took all of his possessions, took his children, took his workers, took his took everything, really, and even took his health. And do you know what he's recorded in scripture as saying? The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Would it be that we are able to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exult in us, casting all of our anxieties on him? Because in actual fact, when you are walking through these trials, and when you're walking through these tests, he's wanting to show you something about himself. He's wanting to strengthen you. 
That's the reality, friends. We can trust in wrong, wrong objects. And when we do, we actually fall. They, these objects fail us, these people fail us, and they let us down. But David, this prototype of the real king, didn't make that mistake here in Psalm 62, and we can learn from that. David has learned that he was to trust God only. And he did just that. And when he did, he found that God indeed was his rock, his salvation, and his fortress. Friends, you may be sitting here this morning and thinking, Patrick, you sound like a dead set fool. This is just impossible. Are you serious? If that's you, if you're thinking, trusting in God alone, how am I supposed to do that? I'm glad you're asking that question. We can't do it. We can't trust in God alone by ourselves. So let me ask this final question. What would it potentially look like if God alone is my only hope? And this is my final point. What does my only point look like? You know, I started this morning by asking you, who do you trust? I would say to you, if you don't know God, could I plead with you for a moment? With everything that is going on in the world today, I wouldn't waste your time trying to convince you to hope in God. You see, it's easy to try to make sense of everything that's going on. And it is easy to think that God is going to let you down or that he's just full of a bunch of rules or that there is no good in following God. I mean, look at people who follow God. They're miserable. They're not joyful. They're always complaining. They're hypocritical. Do you know what? If that's you here this morning and you're thinking, what I see scares me. I want to tell you, God's people are saved because we know that we are failures. And we are trying to follow God and live with him with with all of our hearts and with all of our souls and with all of our mind. And we will make mistakes. We won't fully represent God all the time. But that's why the gospel is so beautiful to us. And I would encourage you, don't base your view on God of what you see in other people. Get to know him. Search him out. Ask him your questions. I did that. And boy, he's proven to be true. So, what does my only hope look like for you? I would ask you to get to know him. Talk to the person who brought you. Talk to me after the service. Um, But I would encourage you, get to know him. Come to the park. Come to Warunga and have lunch with us. But if you're here this morning and... Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What would it look like for your only hope to be in God when you're walking through your enemies surrounding you? You're under testing and trial. You're hurting. You're discouraged. You're weary. I want to first of all thank you for just showing up to church this morning. This is an evidence of your only hope being in God. Knowing that his word gives life. Knowing that his word speaks to you. But I would also encourage you to share with someone 
what, what it's like, what you're walking through, what you're thinking, where the enemies are surrounding you, and where perhaps you are tempted to believe in other objects instead of believing in God alone. So share with someone that you're hurting. Share with someone where you're tempted. And I would also encourage you, like Dr. Martin Lloyd-Joyne suggests, preach to yourself. Um, Even though you're tempted to listen to yourself, preach to yourself. Commit to God alone and invite others to walk with you in this. Now, say you're here this morning and God has actually brought you through a season of testing and trials of difficulty. Uh, Would it be like the psalm that we sang, the song we sang, oh, praise him, hallelujah. Where and when appropriate, testify of how God has met you, how God has provided when your back has been up against it. You know, I wanted to share a story with you in close. Um, I used to work for a guy. Uh, a long time ago, uh, when the girls were just just before the twins uh, were born, or just after the twins were born, I worked for a man, uh, and um, in this setting, um, I, I was kind of put in some awkward situations, and um, and one of the situations that I was actually put in is I was asked to actually lie and fib about something that had taken place in the office. Uh, and legally, I was actually asked to lie and fib about this. Uh, and we was going to go to court and all this other stuff. And the guy had held something over me, uh, which I needed. And it was, um, I needed some, uh, he, uh, there was some money that he had owed to me. And he said, if you do this, I will give you this money. And my wife and I, were, our backs were against the wall. We thought, Lord, I don't know what to do. And I was tempted to sue the guy. I was actually tempted to, you know, I was going to take it to this guy. And I opened up my Bible. And I thought, what is it that God wants me to do? How are we to live this out? God has entrusted a situation to me. How do I glorify God? Put my hope only in God in this. What happens if we don't get the money, babe? What happens if this doesn't work? I mean, we're going to be we're going to be stuffed. So, we put our hope in God only. I didn't get the money. I didn't it didn't end well. I lost my job. It wasn't a good thing. But God alone provided for us in incredible ways. God alone wants us to depend on him and not try to work out things on our own. And so would it be that in 2020, we first of all run to God alone? Because when we run to God alone, he kind of tells, he'll show you what he wants you to do so that he gets the glory and it's for your good. And you begin to be amazed. And then you can stand with confidence with a brother or a sister that's struggling. And you can look them eyeball to eyeball and go, you can trust him. He is so good. He will, he will deliver you. And oh, with all praise and all glory and honor go to him. We were actually going to close in a song, but I actually asked the band to sing that last song that we sang um, just before I came up to preach. So we're going we're gonna to close. I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up, and we're going to finish in song. But would it be that we in 2020 really, truly are able to trust in God alone? Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, 
Help us. Help us to trust in you alone. Lord, help us to want to run to you first. Why? Because you can be trusted. Our only hope can be found in you. Because you cannot lie. You reveal yourself over and over and over again. And so, Lord, this morning, we thank you for this incredible reminder. We thank you for this new year. Use us to make much of your name. And would we be able to encourage one another for the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.